Oh, good afternoon. Welcome to this edition of the Richard Urban Show. I'm your host, Richard Urban. We're very happy to have on Mike Seckman today. He's running for the United States House of Representatives in the 2nd Congressional District. And now we have only two congressional districts, as you know. So um, please introduce yourself, Mike. Well, my name is uh, Mike Sackman. Uh, I'm 46 years old, uh, born and raised here in West Virginia. Uh, been doing HVAC work, uh, mostly in the High River Valley for about the last 24 years. So. Okay, super duper. All right. So, yeah, I was looking on your website. It's, it's interesting. I mean, tell us about, you know, why you're running for Congress and what you think like the most important issue you know, facing the U.S. slash West Virginia is right now? Well, for me, the most important thing is somewhere or another, we got to get everybody on the same page to pass legislation to get our manufacturing jobs back. I mean, I've seen this place, you know, from the late 90s, early 2000s go for, from uh, just this valley here, from an industrial empire to a ghost town. I mean, a lot of people, you know, have just been left hung out to dry, basically. I mean, and with the supply chain shortage, it's because nothing's made here anymore. I mean, 90% of our stuff comes from China, and one way or another, we've, we've got to change that. Okay. Um, so, you know, considering the role, your role in the federal government being the U.S. House, like, what do you think could be done regarding that topic? Well, if you remember back when old, uh, Ross Perot ran for president, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people does, but he made the statement, if you sign that NAFTA deal, this country's done. So basically he was pretty much on the, on the money about it when it comes to our manufacturing jobs. But I mean, I wouldn't want to be the one to put more costs on the American people, but if it took tariffs or whatever, you know, to incentivize these people to bring factories back here, I mean, I just don't see where we got a choice because this past winter, I've seen people go all winter with no heat. I mean, I'm talking furnaces that was a year or two old that we was not able to get parts for. I mean, so you know, this is becoming a public health issue, let alone, you know, just a inconvenience. Okay. Yeah, I was noticing uh, in, in your county, is the right pronunciation Doddridge County? Is that right? Yeah, Doddridge County, yeah. Yeah, so it's a smaller county, around 8,000. I mean, and... um. What kind of manufacturing jobs did you used to have that were are gone? Well, I mean, especially like up around Harrison, Marion County and all that. I mean, we there used to be an abundance of, you know, glass factories. Uh, and down in the High River Valley here where I'm at right now, you know, we had aluminum plants. I mean, you had uh, PPG, Bayer up to there, you know, chemical plants. And there's basically nothing anymore. I mean, the one natural gas plant went in, which is great, but it's... We still just need stuff here to provide for ourselves. Okay. Okay, fair enough. So the issue of, of bringing back manufacturing jobs. Um, so what do you think uh, on a, kind of another topic? Like, how do you view, like, the federal government's role in protecting or curtailing, as it may be, like, our constitutional God-given freedoms? I mean, it could be in relation to the whole COVID situation or other things. Do you have any opinion about that? 
Well, yeah, I don't think that their job's not to be our mommy and daddy. Their their job is to protect our borders and protect our safety. That's their main goal. And I think we can all agree they're failing pretty miserably on that part right now. Uh, you know, and as far as COVID goes, you know, it's affected everyone. I mean, we know that some people worse than others. But, you know, I'm not against vaccines, but I'm, I certainly don't think that anybody should be forced to take it against their will. Okay. Yeah, that was definitely one of my questions. Do you believe like in vaccination choice? And yeah, absolutely. For, yeah. And for, you know, even um, I've been involved in that issue and this is uh, more a state issue, but it's related with the so-called vaccine choice. I mean, it came on the radar big time with COVID, you know, with these different mandates, but also West Virginia is one of only like four states originally two states that force like school children to take, you know, basically something like 15 doses, no more than that, 23 doses of like 14 vaccines, or else you're not allowed to go to school. Right. And then um, there has <clears throat> been different federal legislation that has actually in a way encouraged that. But what's your opinion on that? I mean, I guess it sounds, you tell me, you know, about in other words, vaccination choice. Like, is it always your choice to take something that might be dangerous or are there situations where it could be forced? Well, I, I used to when they used to force the, the vaccines. I mean, even, even me, I had vaccines, you know, before I was allowed to go to school. But back then, when you took those vaccinations, it eradicated it. You did not get it. But like with the COVID vaccine, I mean, my wife took it voluntarily because she works at a, a nursing home, been there for 27 years, but she still ended up with it twice, even after being vaccinated. So, you know, if it's something that you can take and it's going to prevent you from getting something, yeah, that's fine. But when we've got enough evidence now to see that it clearly doesn't work for everyone, I just don't believe you should be forced to take something, especially when they're not, you know, not even right now mandated to disclose what's in the shop. Uh, I, I I would have to agree with you on that. That I mean, that is a really constitutional freedom because, you know, if you can't protect your own body from, you know, having to take various substances and things like that. Um, yeah. So on kind of on another topic about, you know, the federal government's role, like what about the idea there were there was a bill, it might have been even HR1 in order that was trying to federalize elections as you know traditionally you know the states have made their own rules and that failed fortunately but what's your opinion on that like there were that bill was trying to make it so that you know there'd be all these like uh they call it access but actually i think it's <laughs> wrong well, yeah. you know all these mail-in ballots and all this stuff the federal government would force that is that right should that be done? No, it shouldn't be done. I mean, I don't think our founding fathers made mistakes when they set things up, but our federal government, they've completely turned it upside down. You know, like with with our elections and even with our representatives, you know, originally they were supposed to be somebody who worked and lived in society that stepped up to the plate and said, okay, I think I can address some of these issues. Well, it wasn't designed uh, for these people to make a career out of it like they have or even you can call it a business, what have you. You know, I think people need to ask themselves, why would you spend $2 million to make a, for a seat that pays $174,000 a year? 
So. <laughs> right. Comp well, you're right. Donations, conflicts of interest. I think that is is a really, um, you know, a big factor. Um, yeah. So speaking of the, like, there's, uh, well, I guess, as you know, as we know, two of the uh, people running, you know, for our incumbents, interestingly. So, yeah. and then they, um, I'm getting, what I'm getting toward is the um, voting integrity issue. So, what I'm trying to say is um, there were votes made by some congressmen, both senators and House representatives, to challenge the electoral votes in 2020 because um, many people believe, like in certain states, there was a lot of corruption and it really should have been investigated. So my question is, to make it a question, do you think that was the right role of... Um, some congressmen, like I know Mooney, he voted for one bill and against another one that was one of the challenges. I'm not sure about McKinley. But point being, was that the right idea to like challenge the electoral votes because of possible corruption? And what could we do generally to like make sure elections are free and fair and not corrupt? Well, I do believe there should have been more investigations. I mean, I think anybody could question what happened in 2020. I mean, only two times that I can think of in history where we didn't know on election night who was who was our president. You know, and just amazingly, I mean, they showed video of it. They showed people dragging boxes out from underneath tables after they were supposedly done counting the votes. Right. I mean, so that, that would make anybody question and lose faith in, in our whole system. So I do think there needs to be more things in place to make sure th you know we have a free and fair election. Because if you don't, you don't have a democracy, and then everybody's lost faith in the system. So, right. So, so getting yeah, and I think that you know I was asking some of the state delegate candidates about that too, and that is more of a state issue. But yet the federal government's trying to get involved in it, you know, with the those uh, bills I was mentioning. And maybe involved in a positive way by questioning what you know states are doing. So uh, one thing I want to related to that is ask, like, how do you see the role of the federal government? Like, should it, it go more toward states' rights, like we were saying? You know, the states should keep their own election rules as the tradition has been, or you know, and the federal government should be less involved or should the federal government be more involved or what's your kind of opinion about that kind of issue? Well, I think they should be less involved to be honest about it because if, you know, if they took over the whole federal election system, it's pretty much going to be a one party rule. I mean, we, I think we all know that. And I think that's basically what their intentions are to be honest with you. So, I mean, we got to have a f fair and free balance, you know, of, right versus left or what have you i mean yeah i i just think they need to keep their nose out of it because if you want to mess something up just hand it over to the federal government we see what they do okay fair enough yeah about the elections how about in general do you think like the role how do you see the role of the federal government like less is better more is better or things you know because i think even now it's and it's not necessarily a republican democrat issue because I know the government grew under President Trump too. To be a 
there's just a lot of government regulations, departments. For one example is, I think, not I think, in the 70s, they made the Department of Education, and now it's become this monster, where before it didn't even exist until the 70s. Right. Well, I, well, as far as I answer that question for you, there needs to be way less government. I agree with what Ronald Reagan said. You know, the federal government get out of the way and let the people live their lives. Their main job, like I said before, is to protect us and protect our borders, which they're failing miserably at that right now. So, right, very. That's true. That's true. So, um, yeah. On a, another issue. Like I know there's been a number of attempts to have a national concealed carry law. As you know, like we don't need a permit here in West Virginia to conceal carry, but then you know, you can't go to Maryland for sure. You oh, could yeah. go you can go to Virginia and I guess Ohio and Pennsylvania. But so should there be some kind of national concealed carry where you know you don't have to like worry about crossing state line and getting arrested or whatever. Well, especially the way today is, I mean, I'm an advocate gun owner. I have my concealed permit, but I done mine, you know, I took the course, but I think people should at least have to take a course and pass a background check. I mean, you just can't tell anybody to stick a gun in their pocket because I mean, we see how people are with crime. People's mentally unstable a lot more today's world than it was even 20 years ago. Okay. But, uh, but about the question of like, so yeah, I mean, different states, I guess, have different regulations. I know in West Virginia now, it's, uh, I guess, what they call a shall issue state. So you don't have to have a permit in West Virginia. Although I think until I know that if many people get one, you know, so you can have uh, reciprocity with the other states. But like, should we be able to ideally have some kind of legislation nationally where you could, if you are like, whatever the rules are in your state for getting a, a concealed permit, should you be able to um, carry in other states across the country? I think you should be able to, you know, as long as you pass it legally. But, you know, they always talk about all this gun stuff. I mean, the drug's been illegal for years. I mean, criminals are going to find a way to get their hands on anything, no matter what it be, whether it's guns or drugs. You know what I mean? So I think everyone should have the right to, even for crossing the state line, to be able to carry a firearm and protect yourself because there's not always a cop on the corner there to save you. No, I agree. I think, I think that's a logical concern. Yeah, I mean, studies show that actually areas where people have like can own or a weapon or safer not the opposite so i agree with you on that well on another topic that's close to my heart like we uh my wife and i found a nonprofit, so we deal with education around the issue of helping you succeed by staying abstinent from sex before marriage and from drugs and alcohol um that's not exactly a legislative issue but it does come up frequently in the sense that the federal government does fund a lot of programs, as you know, for all kinds of stuff. So my question is, in that relation or area, do you see that it's important, you know, whatever kind of legislation we have, that it would encourage family formation, like a man, a woman, children, and that it would, um, how do you say, 
that sexual abstinence before marriage should be the standard for school-aged children, you know, which was a, a federal standard set up for grants in the 90s. What do you have any opinion or thoughts on that? Well, I agree with you. I mean, like the stuff they're doing now, you know, kids, what, five, six, seven, eight years old, teaching about sexual orientation, that it's okay if you're a boy to be a girl, or if you're a girl, it's okay to be a boy. We shouldn't be teaching them that, not at that age. You know, they'll figure that out, you know, in their own time. But yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I believe in the nuclear family. I mean, and to be honest about it, I think we need prayer back in school. I mean, if they... God never forced it down anybody's throat. You know what I mean? He just put his word out there and you either choose to accept it or you don't. So I just think there needs to be a lot more freedom, you know, just being able to say a prayer or the Pledge of Allegiance or any of that stuff. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up. One topic that I've sometimes on my show talked about is God in the public square. So that can be contentious, but to me it's not. I think it was a non-issue in the founding of our country, regardless of whether it was Thomas Jefferson or George Washington or, you know, James Madison was a big one for religious freedom. It was a given pretty much that, you know, you exercise some kind of faith. And of course, it would affect your decisions. Duh. I mean, exactly. so, to, so to think that you wouldn't talk about it or couldn't, but yeah, I mean, you already said, uh, you know, you think that, you know, as I understand, people should be able to talk about those things in the like public square. Did you want to say anything else about it? Well, and even just like a lot of our federal buildings, you know, when <laughs> it just blew my mind when they took the, the Ten Commandments down that used to hang in there. And in my opinion, you know, I believe what I believe. And I believe if, if mankind would just live by those 10 laws that he laid out before us, you wouldn't have to have any other laws. I mean, I don't think the good Lord made any mistakes. You know, we the you know we the people's the one that made mistakes by I don't know. I guess maybe allowing all this stuff to happen. Yeah, well, it's an interesting point. I mean, so sometimes you would almost think that people who are kind of of the opinion, you know, or don't want to talk about God or something like that, that it's like freedom from religion. You know, <laughs> like. Y'all know we can't talk about religion. Can't talk about that. Uh, no, it's freedom of religion. Yeah, we don't exactly. For, and freedom of no establishment. We don't establish a certain religion. Like you must belong to the Church of England or the church, any church. But it's certainly not freedom from religion. Or how do you see it? I I have to agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, even when I was in school. Uh, we always said a prayer every morning and then the Pledge of Allegiance, but no one was forced to. But back in them days, you know, that was in the 80s. I never seen anybody walk out of the classroom or a parent come in complaining because we was doing that. But I think, we, you know, as a whole as the whole world's concerned, we've gotten too far away from God. I mean, that's just my opinion on that. No, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, we, as, you know, believers or whatever our faith is, you shouldn't be bashful to talk about it and no. it, like we say you know it's not freedom from religion it's it you should be free to talk about your faith so when people throw this term which which is a false use of the uh what do you say separation of church and state 
Jefferson yeah. used that term in some letter. And in fact, he went to church service in the U.S. Capitol. So it's completely mislabeled. It was basically a political letter just to let the ba a Baptist, I believe, know that, you know, they weren't being singled out or something like that. But anyway, the point is that was never the intention. So people talk about that. They don't really know anything about the founding of the country as far as I'm concerned. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> Yeah, it's completely mis misconstrued, you know, in my, you know, uh, opinion about that. Um, yeah. Well, uh, are there other things you'd like to share about why, you know, a citizen should vote for you versus the, uh, you know, other candidates? I guess there's one, two, three, four, five total candidates. You have the two incumbents. And then we have uh, yourself and two other candidates. Do you want to share a little more about or just uh, why we should choose you on the ballot? Well, uh, for me, uh, maybe it's just old-fashioned thinking, Robert, but I think if you're truly going to represent a people, it should be like it was before. You should know. You should be from society, see what's going on out here, and understand what other people are facing and going through. And I do because I'm living it every day, like a lot of people. You know, I've seen so many people that you would have never dreamed in a million years turn to drugs. I mean, people way older than me because they lost their jobs, they lost their livelihood. You know, once you put 20, 30 years into a career, it's not so simple just to go out and get another, you know, job. I mean, some people are resilient and was able to do it, but I've seen a lot of people that just wasn't able to do so. I mean, you, know, you think you're a few years away from retirement and it's ripped away from you. I mean, it's just sad. I mean, this stuff's got to change. I think it, and to be honest with you, like with our supply chain, China's got us by the throat right now. It's just how hard they want to squeeze. I mean, so I don't know. One way or another, we've got to get people on the same page. We've got to get some of our jobs back here. And like here in West Virginia, we've got enough natural gas here. We could run umpteen factories, you know, and they can't holler about, you know, dirty energy because natural gas is clean. So. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, de definitely. I mean, we might have to pay a little more but that's good you know i mean if we're i i agree supporting uh, like local industry and things like that i think that is is a really um good thing well, well any we, uh, go ahead yeah i was gonna say i think we can have fair trade which we know that's good for any economy but we didn't have to give it all to them which we basically did you know what i mean you go through I encourage anyone go to Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, go up and down every aisle. You might want to pack your lunch. See how long it takes you to find something that says made in the U.S. No, I agree. A lot, a lot of, a lot of stuff is. Um, I think it's shifting a little bit, but it's still mostly not shifting into the U.S. It's maybe shifting to other countries like Vietnam or India or whatever. Where right. I guess, yeah, stuff like that. Well, like uh, I've done my homework on it, like just the industry I'm in, HVAC. China has 818, 818 manufacturing facilities for HVAC stuff. Wow. We don't, we don't even have six here. I mean, so how is that anything fair and balanced about that? I mean, I've, and that's only one industry. So. Yeah. So, I mean, interestingly, I guess, so the main I suppose it is the main factor the low cost of labor. Is that why? Oh, I guarantee it is. I mean, because 
you take even like China, I mean, that's a communist regime. You can't blame the people. I mean, them people's told this is what you're going to make. This is what you're going to do. They have no choices. So, yeah, I think they basically American dream and handed it over to China in exchange for cheap labor. Right, right. I agree. You should try to, you know, definitely um, work on that. Well, yeah. and one of the, if I make one more point, the, one of the saddest things I've heard, you know, of course, I, I know a lot of veterans, but I was in Marion County here probably about a month or so ago, give a, a speech, you know, candidate night. And one of the veterans came up to me afterwards because I took a couple items with me, you know, like a, a gas fitting that was made in Vietnam or a electric box made in China. You know, I was trying to make a point, you know, this is what our main issues are. And that after it was over with, you know, the, the vet, he came up to me. He was a Vietnam veteran, him and one of his best friends. And they stayed in. They spent 38 years in the military. And he wow. told me that his best friend ended up with some sort of a job at the Pentagon. I don't know what the job was. He never elaborated on it, but he said he invited him to come and take a tour of the Pentagon. He said, well, yeah, that'd be awesome. I've never, you know, never been there. He's, but he told me that when they went through the gift shop, picking stuff up, everything said made in China, made in Vietnam. I mean, if that's not a slap in our veterans face, when you go to your own United States Pentagon and can't buy a gift that says made in the U.S., I, I don't know. That's just morally wrong. Yeah, that's pretty ironic to say the least. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, wow. Well, it's been great talking with you. Um, you know, and the fact, you know, my hat's off. You know, you're you're running. You're you're jumped in, and you, and I I really uh, I really like that. Um, you know, I'm so. Yeah, I'll say, <laughs> Congressman Mooney. So he's my congressman. So one time I. I uh, wanted to go over to his office and make an appointment. And I was talking about some of the things I'm interested in, like I mentioned, you know, the um, the values, education, and stuff like that. Anyway, he was too daggum busy. I couldn't even get an appointment with him. So that, you know, I mean, that's not good, you know? No, I agree with you. And, you know, I've met him. I've met McKinley both. And I, as I told people, I'm not going to waste my time personally attacking him because they're doing a good enough job of that for themselves. And really, I think when you're doing that, you're not even telling you know what your values are, what you're going to do. You're just tearing each other apart. And you're just teaching our kids that it's okay to tear your neighbor down. Yeah. Well, yeah. So what I'm, the reason I mentioned that is, you know, I, I think, you know, like you say, you're, you're um, you know, kind of a grassroots guy working here in the community. And that's that's a great thing, you know, in the HVAC business. So, um, yeah, hats off to you. Okay. Awesome. Well, yeah. And if there's anything else you'd like to share now would be the time, I think, before we wind down the interview. Well, I mean, pretty much, like I said, uh, my campaign slogans uh, give the working class a voice. And that's who I want to stand up and fight for. So, I mean, obviously, I'm just one person. I can't say I can fix it all, but I'll fight with every breath in me trying. I can promise people that. All right. Amen. So, yeah, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, this has been an interview with Mike Seckman. Uh, do be sure to uh, get out and vote on um, May 10th. And and um, he's running on the Republican uh, ticket for U.S. House of Representatives. So uh, we thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Rich Urban. We'll see you next time.